Last year, a developer attempted to build a new residential tower in East Village, in which low-income renters would have a separate entrance from everyone else. Additionally, those subsidized units wouldn't have access to all the amenities in the main building. The plan drew outrage from the community, who likened a so-called poor door to segregation. Now, a new bill is being put forward in the California legislature to prevent developers from attempting to build complexes with poor doors. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Phil Molnar, you're on the business team at the Union-Tribune. Today, we have some new legislation. What's happening? Well, what happened was last summer, and there was a lot of reporting into the fall, was there was a project in East Village which sought to separate market rate renters on one side of a building, like a big tower, and Mm -hmm. then put all the low-income renters in a tower right next door, about eight stories. And it was sort of interesting, like they were really cut off, like the walls would actually end at the hallway for the low-income. There was a separate entrance uh, which some people nicknamed the poor door. Yeah. Yeah, and it was this whole sensation basically in San Diego. It was a big story. So fast forward. I'll give you a little more update on that project, by the way. But what happened um, this Monday is Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez introduced legislation aimed at stopping this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the I'm calling it the anti-poor door legislation. But she hasn't coined a name yet. <laughs> she hasn't coined it yet. But basically, the deal is it's actually fairly straightforward. It says that if you're going to have a residential tower mm-hmm. with low income and market rate, you can't separate them. Like if there's a common area, they all have to be able to go to the common area. Mm-hmm. And there shouldn't be a separate entrance for two separate classes of renters. So, it, I mean, that's it. There's one more thing added to it, though, which I think in the future may cause some issues is she said or the legislation i've seen a draft of it it says that it's trying to avoid putting say all the low-income renters on three separate floors Uh and then putting the rest up on the other floors so right now that's a pretty common practice in san diego um Mm -hmm. that doesn't really get a lot of like criticism so i asked her does this mean all of those buildings that already exist, do they need to like move people out of their apartments and move them to different floors? And she, she said it wasn't super clear, but basically that the, the intention of the bill is to be forward looking. So basically any new projects that come out, it'd be, you'd mm-hmm. want to separate them more. Um, it wasn't the clearest answer, like the intention of the bill. So I think maybe if it goes through some revisions or something, they might want to, add that in or it'd be like this mass scale moving of apartments it'd be Mm -hmm. crazy yeah can you explain what the kind of situation is with these subsidized units like how do they operate in like towers like these in san diego right so um in san diego you you basically have two options if you're going to build a huge tower you can not put in any low-income housing and just pay a fee uh-huh. which is usually pretty high in the millions of dollars, depending on how big your project is. Or you could actually put the low-income units in the building. Mm-hmm. Now, it kind of sort of depends on project to project. I've seen it go both ways. Sometimes they might just put a couple units, say, one on each floor or three on one floor or two on another. I have seen some that put the low market all on one floor and then yeah. everybody run before it. 
So there's actually two schools of thought on that. I've interviewed people on this subject before where some people argue that you want to have renters fully integrated together. It's great for the community to have different income classes living side by side. Although I did interview someone once that was sort of an expert on the subject, and he was arguing that, well, it actually makes those low-income renters feel sadder if you're a kid growing up and you walk by their apartment and, I guess, see a really nice video game system, for example, mm-hmm. and know you don't have that. Um, that's kind of a rare opinion, but I have heard it go both ways. Yeah, it's kind of like if you go into a gym and you're wearing, you know, not the fancy stuff, it's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. I've been there before. I basically wear a potato sack to the gym. <laughs> doesn't help. I'm sweating profusely. That's quite the visual. Um, so... <laughs> It seems like developers are mostly focusing on big luxury developments, and they seem to be more willing to pay this fee. What do people say about this this new law? Would this actually kind of help more affordable housing be built, or would it just kind of keep the status quo as it is? Well, what's interesting is she's actually introducing two pieces of legislation, which makes the story a slightly more complicated. But the second... The first is the anti-poor guard legislation. But the second, and this is going to happen Monday at a press conference, she's also going to be introducing a density bonus mm-hmm. program. So basically how it goes right now, not only if you build, they're trying to make everything possible so that you put these subsidized units inside your apartment building. So as we mentioned before, you don't have to pay some fee if you put them in there. But also there is a density bonus. So say in a community in California, you're only allowed to build 40 stories. Yeah. But you get this density bonus if you put affordable housing in it. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to build an extra story or Mm -hmm. two stories, depending on how much affordable housing. So right now, the density bonus for a project is about 35%. So depending on... It sort of depends on how many units you add, but say... 35% extra on top of that is the maximum. Mm -hmm. So she's actually releasing a a companion bill, which would increase that density bonus to 50%. So really making a super big incentive to create more of this housing. Um, This kind of gets into the weeds with a little background, but this story was embargoed. uh, So I couldn't really call a lot of people to see what they think about it. Mm And the assembly bill hasn't even hit the even a committee in the assembly yet. So this is really early on, and mm-hmm. we'll have to see. You know, sometimes opposition to bills comes from places I didn't think, and you know there might be problems with this law that I'm not seeing right now. Yeah, and how confident was Gonzalez on on this bill? Is she confident that it'll pass? Yeah, she was pretty confident about it, just because. It was something that shocked a lot of people in the community. She's not wrong. When, when I wrote this story, it was just, it was, first of all, as far as web traffic goes, blowing up mm-hmm. on the website. And we got a lot of letters about it. Every community meeting that they had on it, it brought out a ton of people with a lot of colorful language and just some amazing quotes about segregation. It just brought out a lot of opinions. Like, you know, it's cool. I know we did a podcast about it at the time, but I was mm-hmm. on several local radio stations talking about this. Like, there was just so much interest in it. And it, it was it was cool because it was mixed, though. Because if you talk to any academic housing person or business analyst 
or maybe say someone that's really kind of I don't know what to say, very analytical. Yeah. The the thing was even though you were putting all these people in a separate building, it was creating more subsidized housing in downtown San Diego than we didn't have before. So the kind of the, the, the bad outweighs the good. Yeah. So like the developer wasn't saying, I'm not going to build the housing. I'll just pay the fee. He, they were just putting it right next door in sort of different standards. Yeah. So a lot of people said like that, that, you know, that was sort of their take on it. But sometimes you can't really take away someone's experience or something they've gone through yeah i was at this this civic board meeting and hearing civic san diego local downtown planning agency and it just for people that were people of color or people that have had some sort of trauma or difficulty in their past getting up there and talking about this like it created a real emotional reaction that i think is going to be hard to deny with this bill i mean we'll see what people say when it comes out but i was shocked Cause like when I called a lot of people about it, I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess it is really no big deal. It's just a bunch of if they're still creating the more subsidized housing." But like I said, I mean, you should have heard whew, some of these people the stuff they were saying up there about how upset they were about this project. Because mm-hmm. San Diego's already expensive enough, and having a literal physical here are the poor people, here are the rich people is just yeah. a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's in some ways you could say that the developer Pinnacle is getting railroaded here because in some ways this gap between rich and poor, which we cover a lot in San Diego, mm-hmm. is, you know, in some ways growing a lot. And you hear about difficulties with rent and, you know, our cost of living keeps going up and this stuff's really happening. But just to have that physical wall there, that that separate entrance. It makes it tangible. It made it tangible, and it was like a rallying cry. So, you know, what Lorena Gonzalez told me in our phone interview is that, you know, there's a concern. She doesn't know if this has happened anywhere else in California, Mm -hmm. which is a very honest answer, and I was glad she said that because that's a question me and my editor, Diana McCabe, had is, has this happened anywhere else before? Because it turns out this is the first time someone tried it in San Diego. So what she was saying was, no, we don't really know. It probably does, but, you know, it's not something that gets advertised. But just because it rose to the level of the newspaper and public discourse, mm-hmm. that's how she knew about it. So we'll have to see in the – she doesn't really know. Yeah. But uh, it's just kind of getting in front of it before it could become an issue in California because, yeah, it could it could be a problem. Uh, it's sort of up to debate how much of a problem it is from an analytical human perspective as far as creating more apartments, but uh, we'll have to let other people fight that out. All right, Phil Molnar, thank you so much. Thank you. In other news, the Spreckles Theater is up for sale. The iconic structure at 121 Broadway, which first opened its doors in 1912, is being marketed to potential buyers by commercial real estate brokerage Cushman and Wakefield. The six-story Spreckles Theater building is a national landmark and was commissioned by sugar magnate John D. Spreckles at the cost of $1 million in anticipation of the opening of the Panama Canal and the Pan American Exposition in 1915. It was designed by Los Angeles architect Harrison Albright and is celebrated for its Chicago-style facade, Baroque interior, and impressive live performance acoustics. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. If you also like your news in your email inbox, we've got you covered. 
You can sign up for breaking news, top headlines, business, sports, entertainment, watchdog, caregiving, and more. We've also got Boletines en Español, plus emails for Pacific Magazine, and a host of community newspapers. Just go to unionchip.com slash newsletters. Until next time.